You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Well, it has been my delight to, to be here uh, for today's services. And uh, as I said this morning, I drove in uh, yesterday from southern New Jersey, and I'll head back uh, tomorrow. But uh, I have enjoyed today, and I just love to see what God is doing around the country. The Lord's allowed me to be able uh, now to uh, be in a different church nearly every Sunday, and sometimes even on Wednesday nights and midweek services. And, you know, sometimes I'm there for just a Sunday like today. Sometimes I'm there for a Bible conference and multiple days, or maybe a missions conference or some special uh, occasion or whatnot. Uh, the Lord's allowed me to, um, to do marriage retreats, and obviously my wife comes with me when we do that, amen, and uh, hard to, to do that without, uh, without your, your help meet, and uh, my wife travels with me some, and other times I don't want to drag her around the country. You know, she, she was a pastor's wife for 32 years, you know, and we stayed in one place for a long, long time, and, and, uh, but uh, the Lord has been so good to open up doors, and I'm just so thrilled uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to minister now to, uh, to these churches around the country. I, I said this morning I grew up in a preacher's home. My father is uh, 76 years of age. He's, he's semi-retired after pastoring for 40 years, and he's uh, down in Florida. But five days a week, he travels over to the Tomoka State Prison in Daytona Beach, Florida. And he is a chaplain, a volunteer chaplain, uh, for a, an institution that has 1,400 inmates. And that's what he does five days a week for no pay and just loves uh, to serve the Lord. And, and he's really the pastor of that institution, really. He has full access. He's been there for about 10 years. And uh, I just love that my daddy, uh, after all of these years, is still interested in the souls of man. Amen? And uh, in fact, I talked with him yesterday as I, as I traveled down and they just finished last week a prison revival, last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, I think he said they had 10 professions of faith and said they've got some men they're going to baptize next Sunday, even there in the prison. And uh, just uh, uh, he said that uh, they had an average of 10% of the population that showed up at the services. And obviously they're not made to come. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. And I say all that to say I grew up in a preacher's home. And that's what I've known all my life. And of course, called uh, at the age of 13. And so that, to, that being said, I, I truly have a heart for pastors. I, I feel as if I know a little bit of what pastors have gone through, uh, having been on that side of the desk, you know. And I've said often that I think those that sit on this side of the desk, our side of the desk, can be helped most by someone, who, who, uh, someone else who has sat on that side of the desk. I, I understand that you may not know and understand the burdens of pa pastors and what they deal with. And, and I'm not saying that our job's harder than any other job, but I will say that there is a spiritual element to being in the ministry that may not be in every other occupation. There's a spiritual warfare. And uh, please understand that your preacher and these men that are on staff and others that are serving here, that uh, it's not just a paycheck that they are... Uh, that they're doing it for. They're doing it because it's a call that God's placed in their life. And obviously we know they don't do it for money, but we also understand that what they're called to do is a very difficult task. And so in this uh, new season of my life, after 32 years of pastoring, the Lord began to lay on my heart, actually back in January of 2020, 
just before COVID hit, and I began journaling about what God was doing in my heart about maybe pastoring coming to the end of that era and launching out into a ministry that uh, is, uh, is meant to help the heart of the pastor. And so uh, as 16 months ago, the Lord led me to resign at Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. And uh, wasn't because I did not love that church. It wasn't because I was not happy pastoring. Uh, I actually had the privilege of having Jordan Jones on my, on my staff and, and other young men. Like we had six young men that, uh, that uh, are assistant pastors and, and uh, loved that camaraderie and the feel and that family feel that we've had. Uh, it wasn't because of any of that. It was very clear that my time was done. My season at Shenandoah was done. And the Lord had brought us there. We'd been there nine years and uh, had, had brought great healing to that church. I mentioned this morning a difficult situation that uh, the Lord led me into in a broken church and, and you know, 300 people leaving and, and just all of that before my coming. And the Lord's allowed me to, to navigate or help the church to navigate through some difficult seasons and troubled waters. And, uh, you know, the Lord now maybe is, is going to enable me to help some other pastors, maybe some younger men that have not yet traversed that, uh, that type of a situation to be able to navigate that and, and keep his sanity, amen? Uh, because I can just tell you, uh, there were some dark days in those, uh, in those years. Lord, why did, you bring, why did you make me leave Ohio where I was for 18 years and, and all of that? But my point is, is that uh, my heart is to help pastors. Uh, let me give you what I call my mission statement. Uh, the name of my ministry is Advanced Pastoral Concepts, APC. Uh, apcministry.com is my website if you'd like to go there. Just a little bit about me, my work, my ministry, and some uh, testimonials and some places where I am, my calendars there, and, and all of that, some resources uh, there for pastors. But my, my mission statement is, is, is uh, what I've developed is this. APC is committed to consulting, coaching, and caring for the shepherd. Now, if you were in the, the uh, Sunday school hour this morning... You know, biblically, a pastor is also called a shepherd, right? So he's called an elder, he's called a bishop, but he's called a shepherd. And sometimes shepherds need shepherding, right? And so I kind of feel as if maybe I can help pastors since I've been a pastor for so many years. And so I want to consult, coach, and care for the shepherd. Why? So the shepherd can grow and mature into a steward of a balanced biblical ministry in the 21st century. And uh, so that is, that is my mantra, that is what I'm trying to do, and as the Lord uh, opens up doors, and please uh, pray for me as, uh, uh, as I'm uh, uh, striving to do so, that God would give me divine connections. I said this morning, I'm not just trying to fill a calendar, I'm not just trying to go uh, preach, you know, in, in different churches, I want to be a help and a blessing as best I can. And let me just say, I, I spent a little time with your preacher today, uh, the younger man, amen, uh, on, the, on the platform today at, at age 44. And uh, he's younger than I, but I have more hair than he does. So, so you know, we can go back and forth on this however long we, we'd like to. Amen? But uh, I love the spirit of your pastor. I love his heart. I love his vision. And you are fortunate to have a man of God like Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. And so I believe in him, I believe in you, I believe in the mission of this church. And let me just say, I thank God for those men that are on his staff. And I know I've not met them all, but I've got some new ones coming on. And obviously a school staff, I've been there, done that. Look, I, I took over a church when I went to Shenandoah. They had had 52 staff, fully paid 52 staff members. I mean, that's a big staff. And obviously, as the, uh, uh, the thing went on, they lost some staff. But we, we kind of settled at about 32, 33 on the staff. So I understand what that's like. 
And can I just say, that is a wonderful team of people that are, that are uh, working together for the cause of Christ. And you are very, very fortunate to be a part of a church like that. So all of that being said, I've chosen a message tonight that I believe, I hope, Lord willing, will be exactly where your church is at this point in her history. So I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and go to the book of Exodus, please. Chapter number 33. The book of Exodus, second book in our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, should be easy to find for you there. Chapter number 33, and let's look at verse number 11 tonight. And I want to be kind with the time, I do know this is Sunday evening, but I do have a message that is burning in my heart that I believe is exactly what your church needs at this time. I want to talk to you on the subject of preparing to advance, preparing to advance. Notice with me, please, Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, that's, this is not the message tonight, but that'd be a good place just to kind of pull off and park for a little while. Amen. Wouldn't it be great to have been called the friend of God and be able to speak to God face to face? We know that Moses had those opportunities, right? Forty days and forty nights up on the mountain speaking with God and, and speaking for such a long period that when he came down, his face shone. Amen? Wouldn't that be great to know that you and I have been with God? Verse number 11, And as he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people." And he said, now notice God speaking back to Moses, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, now this is Moses' response to what God had just said in verse 14, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Father, I pray that you'll add your blessing now to the reading of your word and Lord, I pray that as we take this somewhat familiar passage of Scripture, somewhat familiar story of the history and life of the nation of Israel and, Lord, their time in the wilderness. And, Lord, obviously you wanted to give to them the promised land. And we know that because of their unbelief and their lack of faith, they did not and they paid a great price for that. Lord, I pray that tonight as we try to mine out some great thoughts to apply to Victory Baptist Church here tonight as it relates to them advancing for the cause of Christ. Lord, please help us to understand that your presence to go with us is of vital importance. God, I pray that tonight these things that we will say tonight from the scriptures and from this message, Father, would help this church to move forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. You understand the story, the time, the writing of Exodus. We find Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We find a 40-year period of time from their release from the nation of Israel and their 
their travel to the promised land that had already been promised to them, a land that flows with milk and honey and, and all of it that God said, all you got to do is go up and possess it. And we, we understand now that because of their unbelief, and we'll touch on that just a little bit from Numbers chapter 13 and 14 in the middle of the message, and we'll be reminded that because they listened to the evil report and they did not go into the promised land. Let me just stop and say, I believe it was the perfect will of God for them to go immediately up into the promised land. It was so unnecessary for them to have spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And let me just say, I said in my notes here, this was a wilderness of their own choosing. And I wonder how many churches even today are just wandering around like a bunch of nomads uh, as I said this morning, with no vision, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. And, and if a pastor maybe does not have a vision, or even worse than that, a pastor that maybe has vision, but people that are not willing to follow that pastor's vision, and it just seems as if they cannot go into the promised land or to go into the, the land that God had given to them and had already said, look, I'm going to go in and go before you and I'll, I'll drive out the enemies and, and this is a great land and I want this to be your inheritance inheritance. And I wonder how many churches tonight, I wonder how many families tonight, I wonder how many individuals are, are wandering around in the wilderness of life instead of going up and possessing the land. And so we find that this is the story here and the, the part uh, of the nation of Israel as they have stopped their forward progress. Now unfortunately this, this ended up in a 40-year period of time where there was great loss of life, right? You remember that everybody that was 20 years old and upward ended up dying in the wilderness. What a sad statement. What a sad situation that those who were supposed to have brought their little children with them are now going to have to let their little children be the ones that 40 years later actually enter into the wilderness. And they do not get to see the great hand of God and what he had provided for them. I wonder how, much, how many churches are missing out on the promises of God because they don't go forward. I wonder how many churches are, are stagnant. I, I wonder how many uh, 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 congregations are embroiled in, divi in division and strife with one another, fighting over the, the color of the carpet, per se. And we always talk about that. Fighting over some insignificant uh, issue uh, in the church instead of uh, moving forward for the cause of Christ, instead of taking new ground for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, may I say to you, Victory Baptist Church, there's plenty of lost people for you to win to Christ in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Amen? They're moving in. They're being born faster than we can get to them to win them to Christ. There is a great uh, a harvest field. What did Jesus say? It is white already unto harvest. But some churches are too too saturated with their own opinions and, and uh, uh, too situated in their own, uh, own uh, opinions about how things ought to be done instead of Preparing to advance. And so tonight I, I, and, and I prayed so much about what message and what direction I should give to your church tonight. You're not the average church that I, that I go to. Most churches that, that the Lord's opening doors now for me is, uh, are smaller churches, maybe, maybe churches that need some revitalization, some younger pastors. That's what God's called me to do. And I want to help those younger churches. But I come to a church like yours and I look out and see such great potential. But do you know that potential can be wasted? Potential can be squandered. 
the promised land that God may have for you and the future of this church, whether it be on the church side and, the, and or the school side, and may I just again commend you for your investment in Christian education, for that is the next generation, friends. I know I'm looking out at some, some older folks here tonight, and you may say, my, my, I don't have kids in the school. I don't even have grandkids in the school. Can I just encourage you to invest because it is the next generation of our world that is at stake. The next generation of your church that is at stake. And if we don't advance, if you do not advance, if you do not move forward then I, I'm afraid that there are going, there's going to be, as there was here, great loss of life, physical loss of life, yes, but great spiritual loss of life, uh, great uh, potential that will be squandered, and uh, a relationship with God that will not be known. And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit here about how to prepare to advance. You see... They're in the, the wilderness, and yes, God is using this wilderness wandering to develop them. We will not take time to go to De Deuteronomy chapter number 8. You might study that out a, a little bit later, at a little later time. Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 6, he said, Look, I understand you said no to me, and I'm going to allow you to wander in the wilderness, but I brought this upon you to humble you, to prove you, to see what is in your heart. You see, I believe that God can even use the wildernesses of our lives sometimes to develop us into the people that he wants us to be. And I believe that what, he's, what we're reading here in, in Exodus chapter 33 is that God said, look, you are my people. And yes, I, I have to chasten you. And yes, uh, you have been disobedient uh, to my will. And yes, uh, there's going to be a wilderness wandering here and a great loss of life. He said, but I, but I, I want you to understand it is your children that I want to lead into that promised land. And I want them to move forward, but I do not want them to move forward without me. My presence, he said, shall go with thee. So in this development process, he said, I'm developing you in, uh, for, so that you can proceed to the land that I want you to possess. Now look with me back in chapter number 33. And I know we read verses 11 and following. Look back at verse number 1 here just to kind of get, get started here in the message. Verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up, notice this, out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Would you notice those first three words in the early part of verse number 1? Go up hence. Go up hence. Uh, I, I'm reminded of the great song that we often sing, Higher Ground, right? Uh, I, I want to scale the utmost heights I, uh, to catch a gleam of glory bright, right? Well, how's the chorus go? Um, uh, to, to take me up to higher ground, right? And he said, go up hence. He said, look, I, I'm trying to bring you out of this wilderness wandering. I've brought you out of the land of Egypt, and, and I have somewhere that I want you to go. Depart and go up Hence, tonight I'm preaching to you tonight as a church preparing to go up, preparing to advance, preparing to move forward. 
And I, th I think there may be some of you who say, well, you know, Pastor, we've been a part of this church for decades and decades, and we've been a part of the building programs, and, and thank God for you. Thank God for you. Thank God for the pillars of a church like this. But my friend, until Jesus calls us home, there's still more work to do. All of us need to, to be moving forward. Uh, quit sitting on your blessed assurance, and let's all stand on the promises of God. Let's realize that there's a job that he has for us. There's a job that he has for your church, and that you are to do it together. Together. Go up hence. Now may I state the obvious here that chapter number 33 where we're reading, however, follows the great debacle of chapter number 32. Do you know anything about Exodus chapter number 32? Just flip back there. We're not going to preach much from it. But I want to remind you that chapter number 32, that Moses had been up on the mountain for 40 days. As I mentioned a moment ago, he's getting the, the, the law of God, right? What we call the Ten Commandments and so many other things uh, that God was giving to Moses in those days. And because Moses didn't come down in a timely fashion, they go to Aaron and they say, Hey, uh, we're not sure what's happened to this Moses guy. I think we need a God to worship. You remember the story. Uh, Aaron takes their golden earrings and throws He says he just throws them into the fire and out jumped this calf, right? Remember all that story? Uh, didn't, he didn't want the blame of that. But my point is they made, he made a golden calf. And you remember what happened? The people, people bowed down to, to, to worship that. Uh, this is the God. These are the gods that have taken us out of the land of Egypt. You, you understand what had just taken place in chapter number 32. You remember, right, you remember that Moses and Joshua come down off the mountain and they hear that great noise. It sounds like a noise of, of war uh, initially, uh, but, but it's the people are, are singing and dancing and, and all of the, the frivolity of their idolatrous worship. Moses comes down, you remember what he did? He threw the tablets down and the Bible says they break. And Moses comes to them and makes a statement in verse number, look at it please, chapter number 32 and, uh, and verse number 26. It says, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And I think maybe that's where we are tonight. Uh, maybe Pastor Bain has just been brought here just to remind you that in this day of, of compromise and in this day of, of going every which way in church and in this day of kind of throwing out the words of God and throwing out morality and throwing out uh, biblical living, can I just ask you a question tonight as we're getting ready to go to chapter 33 to proceed and advance forward, may I ask you, who's on the Lord's side? We've got to determine that. You've got to determine, are you on God's side tonight or not? I didn't, I didn't say, are you on Pastor Jeremy Coburnett's side? I said, are you on the Lord's side? Now, I believe he's on the Lord's side. So if he's on the Lord's side, you can follow him. We said that in Sunday school. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As long as your preacher's on the Lord's side, you can follow him. And great things can be accomplished for the cause of Jesus Christ. But there has to be a dedication of the people of God. Moses was not just asking the, the leaders here. He was not just asking the husbands. He said to the whole congregation, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come over unto me. Amen. And tonight I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to make a decision tonight that you will proceed, that you will advance. Look at me, that you won't drag your feet as this church moves forward. 
Look, look, some great things have already happened in the life of this church. No doubt. I mean, look around and look what God has done. And I love that song. Look, look what God has done. I think she just sang it a minute ago. Amen. And the blessings of the Lord. She sang it a lot better than I did just now. Amen. Uh, that's what you were thinking, right? But I'm just saying, look at what God has done. And look what God's done in the last nine years. And look what God did a couple of years ago. And don't tell me God's hand is not in this uh, school merger and, and, and buildings and, and God providing funding for that. And, and, and you're debt free. Do you know that most churches aren't debt free? Do you understand most churches have large mortgages hanging over their head? Uh, do you understand uh, the blessing that God has given to you? I'm saying to you, this church is primed and ready to move forward. Don't drag your feet. Don't drag your feet. Come over and get on God's side. Amen. Who is on the Lord's side? I see the word come in verse number 26. I also in verse number 29 see the word consecrate. Would you look at it, chapter 32 and verse number 26? I'm sorry, verse 29. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a what, church? A, a blessing this day. You look at me, church. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to uh, prepare tonight to advance in chapter number 33, all right, as it were, we're, we're kind of living this story uh, uh, a little bit vicariously, uh, vicariously through the text, right? And so if you're going to move into the promised land, you're going to have to come and you're going to have to consecrate. Now, what's consecrate mean? The word consecrate obviously uh, is used all throughout the Old Testament in particular, it was so often used about the priesthood, right? The Levitical priesthood and how that they were, uh, uh, as the priests, they were consecrated unto the Lord and, and there were uh, very uh, different ceremonies that, that, uh, that uh, caused the people of God to understand that they were the set-apart tribe. That's what consecration means, set-apart. We might use the word sanctify, right? It's an, a New Testament word that we are sanctified. We are consecrated. Uh, we are uh, set-apart. We are separated, I'm just saying to you, church, that if this church is going to move forward, there needs to be not only a coming, but there needs to be a consecration. May I ask you, how consecrated to you uh, uh, are you unto the Lord? How consecrated is your lifestyle? We spoke this morning of your walk, our walk, right? A holy walk. How consecrated are you? May I ask you about your, about your life? May I ask you about your motives? May I ask you about your heart? May I ask you tonight about your home? May I ask you about what goes on in that home? May I ask you about your walk with God? You say, preacher, you're meddling just a little bit. Yeah, I'm going home tomorrow, so get mad at me if you want to. But as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is my job to say God wants clean vessels. He wants us consecrated. He wants, us he wants us clean. He wants us separated from the things of this world. And may I say, as your church is going to move forward for the cause of Christ, there must be a consecration. Notice again in chapter 33. Look at verse 1 again. Notice the terminology there. Chapter 33, verse 1. He says, depart and go up. All right, so go up. We talked about that. Moving forward, stepping higher, higher ground. Go up. But I want you to keep reading, and I want you to notice that he says, Thou and the people which thou hast brought up. Now notice the next phrase, out of the land of Egypt. 
Now, how many of you know that Egypt in the Bible, in the, New, in the Old Testament, uh, primarily was always a picture of the world, right? A picture of the old life, right? Coming out of the bondage of Egypt. How many of you knew when you, before you got saved, you were in bondage to sin, in bondage to an addiction, right? In bondage to some lifestyle. And Jesus Christ saved you. And as we said this morning in Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sin, but now you are quickened. Boy, salvation is in age you to come out of the things of this world. Amen? I mentioned this morning about my dad. My dad got saved in uh, uh, 1971. He was a 23-year-old young man. I won't tell you the whole story. He'd grown up in an independent Baptist fundamental home. I got a sweet, godly grandma still living, 98 years of age. I, I got two grandmas still living, 98 and 93. And uh, uh, both are godly, godly ladies. Uh, my dad grew up through that home but made a false profession. And through his teenage years, got real rebellious, uh, went into the military, uh, started a career, got married. Uh, uh, to my, my mother... They, they, in West Virginia, they were too young to get married, so they went across the state line. They eloped and got married. and I mean, just a whole mess of a story. And here's my dad at the age of 23, and some Thursday night soul winners from Cross Lanes Bible Church kept knocking on their door. And week after week after week of hiding from them, one time they answered the door, and it was too late after that. Amen. The gospel was given. My mom and dad both got saved. I was just a three-year-old child. And my dad's life verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You know what happened? You know what my dad did? He came out of Egypt. That's what he did. What he used to do, how he used to live, what he used to think, what he used to smoke, what he used to drink, where he used to go, all that stuff stopped. Because Jesus Christ made a change in his life. And can I just say that made a change in a little three-year-old boy's life as well. I wonder if I'd be a preacher today if my mom and dad hadn't gotten saved. Maybe not. My dad got to lead me to Christ when I was five, just a few years later. My dad and mom would never put me in a Christian school had they never gotten saved. You see what I'm saying? Uh, 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 decisions we make uh, about things in life have lasting ramifications. So I'm just saying to you tonight, uh, again, notice that phrase, out of Egypt, out of Egypt. It has to do with that coming onto the Lord's side and consecrating your life to move forward. So what are these things that must accompany the preparation to move forward? So I want to show you or give you now this, uh, this uh, next phrase that I want to preach on just a little bit here. Notice, if you will, in chapter 33 and verse number 3. There are three things tonight as we have the message, three areas that I want you to know. His presence, His precepts, and His provision. Notice, please, first, His presence. Notice, please, in verse number 3. He says, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Notice, he says, Because you have not exercised... Is that something I'm doing, or is that just your mic? I hope I'm not doing something. I'm sorry. My hands are like this, guys. I promise you, I'm not, not going to break your microphone. Maybe it's all this moving back and forth. I don't know. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I need the presence of God to go with me wherever I go, whatever I do. And here's, here's what he said. He said, look, I want you to go up out of Egypt, and I want you to go into the promised land, but I want my presence to go with. And he said, I want you to know, because of how you've acted, I have to, to now chasten you, and, and, and there's going to be 40 years of wilderness wandering 
I will not, my presence will not go with you. You have become a stiff-necked people. I wonder how many churches and families and, and church staffs and Christian schools, I wonder how many individuals has, have come as far and will only go as far as the power and the presence of the Lord is in our midst. I wonder how much we try to do in our own strength or our own power. And I'm going to show you that this happened again in the nation of Israel's history. Keep your finger in Exodus 33. Go with me to Numbers chapter 13, would you please? A very familiar passage. You're going to remember it as soon as we get there. It's the story of the 12 spies, okay? Numbers 13 and 14. And you'll remember that 12 spies were supposed to go in, spy out the land. They came back with an evil report. No, there's giants in the land. We cannot take it. And, and you know that part of the story. Notice, please, in chapter number 14 and verses number 3 and 4. Numbers 14, verses 3 and 4. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey... Now notice their attitude here. Were it not better for us to return into where? Egypt. And they said one to another, let us make us a captain and let us return into Egypt. Skip down to verse number 27, please. Same passage, chapter 14, verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land. Now, we're, we're reading in, in Numbers why it was happening back in Exodus, right? We're kind of finding this uh, retelling of the story. Uh, because those 12 spies came back and 10 of them said, we can't go in. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. With God, we can do anything. But they listened to the majority. Don't follow the majority. <laughs> Don't follow what most Christians are doing today. Most Christians are compromising. Hey, stay, stay on the straight and narrow, friends. Come on now. Stay uh, with a Bible-preaching uh, pastor and a Bible-preaching church. And he says, look, now, now you've murmured and said, didn't we have it better as we were back in Israel? And he said, because of this, you shall not come into the land. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Keep reading, verse 31. But your little ones, which he said should be a prey, them will I bring in. That, that was those 20 years and, and under. And they shall know the land which ye have despised. Look, look, I wonder if some of you that are the older generation and you've dug your heels in a little bit and uh, you, you're not growing any longer, you're, con you're not continuing to move forward uh, for the cause of Christ. Uh, I, I wonder if this is a little bit of an explanation of kind of how we are in the sight of God. Your little ones shall be a prey, them will I bring in. They shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, verse 32, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even 40 days each day for a year. 
Did you ever wonder why it was 40, day, 40 years? He said, you wandered, uh, you went into the land 40 days to spy it out. Every day that you came back with that evil report, that's a year that you're going to wander in the wilderness. Maybe you never knew that was the reason why that length and period of time. Verse 34, you shall bear your iniquities even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. I'm, 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 I'm about to show you here that there was a, a, another instance where they tried to do it now in their own power and go without the presence of God. Can I show you please verse 40? Just skip over now to verse 40. Now, I know we're le- reading a lot of scripture here tonight, but I want you to see it. And they rose up early in the morning and they got them up into the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and we will go unto the place which the Lord hath promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Look at verse 42. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye not be smitten before your enemies. Okay, God, we're sorry. We're going to go anyway. I wonder how many churches today have squandered what God wanted to do in their ministries, what, what God wanted to do with their, their, their young people, what God wanted to do in, in their Christian education, the training of the next generation, what God wanted to do in their communities, but because they, they had an unbelief, they did not believe God, they did not take God up on His promise and go immediately into the promised land. Okay, God, we see we want to. And he says, no, you you can go, but you will not prosper. And I'll tell you why you won't prosper, because my presence is not going to go with you. I wonder how many churches are trying to do the work of God without the power of God. I mean, don't we read that in the New Testament? As it talks about the in the last days, perilous times shall come. Remember that whole list right there? But it also then talks about that how that they are trying to do things for God and in the name of God, but without the very power and presence of God. Can I just say, I don't want that to be Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I don't believe it will be. But sometimes we need a warning that we make sure that we do not slip back. And as the people of God here tried to do, they faced it at great peril. Uh, Did the same thing happen in Jericho, even when they went in uh, years later into the nation of Israel, uh, or uh, into the promised land? Remember, Jericho was supposed to be the the sanctified city, right? The first city. And everything that belonged, uh, everything that was taken in Jericho belonged to God. Remember what happened to Ai? Or or remember what happened with Achan? Achan took the accursed thing. Remember that? And then, and then after that, uh, they tried to go to Ai, the next city, and, and God said, no. Uh, Joshua said, no, don't go up. Uh, you will, God was not with you. Uh, there's been sin in the camp. And they went to Ai thinking they didn't need everybody, right? Remember that? Oh, yeah, we just had this great victory in Jericho. I wonder how many churches think they've done great things, but they don't realize they've tried to do it without God. And that without God will always fail. We cannot do the work of God without God. You remember in Ai, 36 innocent people died because they tried to go up without the power and presence of God. I'm saying to us this evening that there needs to be a proper response. Go back with me, please, to Exodus chapter number 33. The proper response for all of us as we are intending to prepare to advance, to move forward... I believe we find in chapter 33, verse number 3. 
Now notice the Bible here calls them a stiff-necked people. He says, For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Verse 4, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. No man did put on him his ornaments. And the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Now look at verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle, and he pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which, would you read those next three words with me, saw the Lord, went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Can I give you two thoughts here tonight as we're trying to kind of wrap this up this evening? Two thoughts about uh, preparing to advance and getting our, our, our hearts and our minds and our, our lives in the right order. What would be the proper response to this situation? Well, number one, they had to see themselves where they were. Notice God says, you're a stiff-necked people. They had to understand how God saw them. May I just say, we've all got to realize, how does God see me? And God sees everything about me, right? I can hide nothing from God. None of us can hide anything from our God. And we try to do the work of God and the power of the flesh. God sees that. He understands what our motives are. We do something on the outside, but our inside motive is not as it should be. Why did God use a man like David? Because he was a man after God's own heart. God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. You see, I'm just trying to say that we must see ourselves as God sees us. See yourself where you are. Number two, we must seek out God where he is. Notice in verse 7, he said, I'm going to set the tabernacle up. You know what was in the tabernacle, right? The mercy seat, right? And all those special uh, uh, furnishings of the, of the tabernacle, all of them pointed to, to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he said, look, the tabernacle is set outside the camp. And notice in verse number 7 that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation. Can I ask you tonight, if you're going to be a part of the church that moves forward, you're going to have to see yourself how God sees you, and you're going to have to seek out God where He is. Draw nigh unto the Lord, and He will draw nigh to you. Folks, we, we are nothing without God. This church is nothing without God. You are, your family will be nothing uh, without God. And so there must be, yes, a moving forward, but we must prepare to do so. I see two relationships. I see a relationship to the presence of God. Look at verse 9. Let's keep moving through the text here quickly. Verse 9, chapter 33. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended... And he stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped, every man at his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh... This is our text, wasn't it? As a man speaketh unto his friend. No, number one, I want you to see the relationship of that presence. Notice Moses had a special relationship with God, did he not? Relationship as a friend with a friend. A special time apart with God. Up on that mountain, getting the, the, the uh, Ten Commandments, getting the laws of God that were going to come. 
You see, there's a special relationship that God wants us to have as well. And may I just say to you, it's with His Word also. Just like Moses got His Word up on the mountain, it's the completed Word of God that we have. How many are glad tonight you have a copy of the completed Word of God? Amen. Everything God wanted us to know, He gave us right here. There's no more divine revelation. It's all right here in the canon of Scripture. May I ask you a question? What's your, presence, what's your relationship with the presence of God through His Word? His precepts. So there's a relationship of that presence, but there's also a restraint of that presence. Keep reading. Look at verse number 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Then verse 15 is the opposite side of that coin. And he said unto him, If, notice that word, if, thy presence go not with me, carry us not hence. I preached this message a few years ago back at my church in West Virginia. It would have been around 2015. I had come in 2013. Those first two years were very, very tumultuous years. And I preached this message about Shenandoah. Are, are we going to go forward or are we just going to be stuck in the quagmire of our split and the quagmire of our brokenness? I don't think God wants any church just to sit and die. God wants every church to live. And I brought this message. And again, tonight, why am I bringing it to you? I don't feel you are anywhere near where that situation was. But let's be careful that we never get to that place. And I want you to be being prepared to move forward and advance because it's the right thing to do. And here's my, here's my whole message tonight. Is if God, if you're going to follow God to the future, wouldn't it be great to have this place filled up to overflowing and people just getting saved and baptized and so many and the buses get running back again and, and the, 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 uh, uh, the altars are full and the school is at capacity and, and just seeing what God can do. But I wonder if we realize that the only way that's going to happen is if we do it with His presence. God will not always move us into the future until we have mourned over the sins of our past and have measured the situation of the present. And that gets us to the place where, where they said, look, we're a stiff-necked people, and we're going to own up to that. God, we wanted to go back to Egypt. Forgive us of our murmuring. Right? That was, we found the murmuring. How many times did God's people murmur over and over and complain and complain instead of being very thankful for what God has done and where God's brought us? Can I just say to you tonight, church, you're in a totally different situation than from this text right here. And I hope that you will take advantage of it and move forward with His presence. I don't know what that moving forward is totally going to mean. Obviously, God will give you and the leadership of this church and through the direction and the walk with God of your pastor, those that God has brought along to serve on this staff, and those of you who are serving faithfully as lay folks in this ministry, God will show you what those next steps are. Here's, here's my question. Are you going to take those next steps forward? And are you going to realize that we must do it with, that, with Him? His presence must go with... 
if his presence isn't going to go, then I'm not moving. I'm not taking that step. I'm not going to do this in my own power, right? I want to do this with the, the power, the presence, and the leading of God to be very clear. You know, I've made many, many moves or changes in my life. Your pastor, likewise. You know, in Illinois for a while, and then out to Golden State for a while, and, and then God uh, uh, bringing him here to be your pastor. Watch this. Sometimes as we are watching what God is doing to move us to the next spot, we sometimes just have to sit back and say, all right, Lord, you have to do this. I don't want to make a, I don't want to make a huge mistake here. I took five months, preacher, between the first phone call from Shenandoah till I actually even went to preach five months. I, I had to know this was of God. God. I kept shoving it, and God kept bringing it back. And I kept shoving it away, and God kept bringing it back. I'll never forget, I was in Lancaster, California, preaching at West Coast Baptist College, and uh, in the hotel room that morning, my cell phone rang, and my wife picked it up. It was a 304 area code. Now, if you know anything, 304 is West Virginia. And she said, here, West Virginia is calling again. And it was, it was that phone call that God just began to solidify, this is what I'm supposed to do. You see, friends, I don't want to ever make a move without God making it clear. His presence moving with us. Can I just say that every time I have moved with God, it's turned out a-okay. When I've moved without Him, I've had some issues and hiccups, haven't you? Can I just say to you tonight as a church, I think you're primed and prepared to move forward. Let's make sure tonight we're doing it with His presence. We're coming, we're stepping on the Lord's side, we're consecrating our lives to Him, and you, we say, Lord, we, you've got us. We're coming out of Egypt, and we want to move to the promised land. Would you stand with me tonight, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm sorry, I've probably gone a few moments later than I should have, but you've been a great crowd. You've listened so intently. I feel so very encouraged after being at your church this weekend. As I said, most Sundays, I don't get to come into a church like this. It's usually a broken church. It's usually a church that's hurting it's usually a smaller congregation that's trying to find their way. Can I say to you, God's done some amazing, miraculous things here. But you don't want Him to stop, do you? Don't you want to continue to see the miracles? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.